Good morning. Good to, good to see you here this morning. That's the way life works. Trouble is never very far away from you. And that guy with trouble, you could call him folly. Okay, you have to, you have to start somewhere and work up to possibly eight weeks. Eight weeks. What would you do with eight weeks vacation? Okay, you probably have some ideas, but I'm not, I'm not wired that way. <laughs> oh, the, we're looking at how to untangle our problems, and I had an experience this morning that sort of illustrates how to do that. I got up and always have certain kind of coffee in the morning. Went to our little, we got a new coffee maker for Christmas, went to it, didn't work. And I provided once again some entertainment for my wife when I said, where am I going to get my coffee? Because, I mean, there, there are coffee places all over the city. But it was more about, I got to do my stuff to get ready for this morning, and I can't get coffee. And so she kept her wits about her and called the manufacturer. She called, she went, found out the little repair center number. And the gal, she, she worked for the people who made this thing. And so she, she walked her through a troubleshooting process, which ended up with taking a paper clip and cleaning out three little holes in this machine that would allow the coffee to go through. Amazing. Now, we would have never come up with the idea of using the, the paper clip to clean out the little, we would have never known they were there if we hadn't, you know, if she, we, listen to me, I'm starting to take credit for it. <laughs> if she hadn't have called the repair center, the manufacturer, the people who made it. That's really what the Bible is. It is, it is, it is a book that is alive. It's been written by the one who made us, our manufacturer. It's, it's been written by him. And so when you get into it, you, you really begin to understand how life works. It's, it's tremendously helpful. And that's what we're looking at. If you're investigating Christianity, trying to figure out whether or not it's real, the Bible is the place to start. To, to dig in and to, to try to figure out how real it is. And that's one of the, one of the evidences of Christianity is how, how God uses his Bible, his word, to speak to us. Actually, there are two parts of the Bible, the Old Testament, which is a testimony to God's working among people, a New Testament, a New Testament starting with Jesus Christ of how God has worked. And you begin to see how he works, and it comes alive. He, he begins to help you untangle things in your life that are messing you up. God wants us to go to the Bible to untangle our life, since it was written by the one who made us. The author of the Bible has thought of and, t- and anticipated every problem we are going to face. So we go to untangle our life, our future, our trials we're looking at today, our relationships, and our decisions. God uses his word over and over again to straighten out our lives. St. Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This is the process that God uses over and over again to help us get straightened out. He, he, you get into the Bible and he teaches you. He shows you 
the way life works from his perspective, you, you learn principles and ideas and concepts. You learn about God and what you can expect from him and how he relates in the world. So you, you, you get ideas. You, you gain principles. You, you learn things. Then it reproves you. It shows you where you've gotten off the path. Then it corrects you. It shows you how to get back on the path and trains you in righteousness, which is right living before God. It, it trains you in how to keep doing that. I love the message paraphrase of 2 Timothy 3.17. It says, Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. Through, through the Bible, he gets you ready for your family life, your work life, the things you're doing at school, um, friendships, finances, decisions. He helps you sort out every part of your life and untangle the things you're tangled up in and get you set on the right road. That's, that's the value of Scripture. If, if you're, like I said, investigating Christianity, check it out. Start reading it on your own. Start in John. You can read J-A-R, J-A-R. John is a book in the New Testament, Acts and Romans. Just start reading it and ask God to speak to you and, and begin to investigate, find out whether or not he is real and as you get into the scripture, you'll find it's real, and he's speaking to you through it. He, he, he really does. So today, specifically, we're going to find out that God's word is a treasure for dealing with trials. It's like a treasure chest that we pull things out of. It's extremely valuable. And we're going to read Psalm 19, 7 through 13, actually through 14. We're going to walk through this whole passage. And see how God uses the Bible in our lives. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment, judgments of the Lord are true. They are altogether righteous. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Psalm 19 starts, the verses that we didn't read, 1 through 6, it starts with a, a description of how God speaks through creation. You can look out those windows and you can see the mountains, the peaks of the mountains. At least you could have about 15 minutes ago. I checked to see what you could see. You know, you can't always see much. But when you can see those mountains and you, you think about how this earth is put together, how it works, it speaks to a creator. It tells you about him. The heavens declare the glory of God, the majesty of God. They're pouring forth their speech day after day as we live and experience life on this planet. There's, there's a sense that we can know God generally through creation. That's what theologians would call general revelation. But we need, if we're going to really get to know God, who he is, his characteristics, what we can expect out of him, how he relates to people, if we're really going to get to know him, we need the Bible. That's specific. That's special revelation. That's the revealed truth in the Bible. Really helps us get to know him. And I've, I've put a chart up here, and I understand there's probably not much space on your listening guide, you may need to take it over, turn it over if you're taking some notes. But 
I, I put this chart together to show us the effects of God's word on our soul, the deepest part of us, the, the real you. Um, seeing this chart kind of helps me get a grip on what's going on in this passage because what he does is he uses six synonyms for the Bible, and then he shows six effects on our soul. So six synonyms, six effects. The first one is the law. The word in Hebrew is Torah. And he says it's perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Actually, the word law means like, it comes from a root word that means shoot an arrow, to shoot an arrow, like at a target. And that's what God does with his word. He, he, he targets things in us. He shows us things and brings things alive. Hebrews 4.12, we looked at that a couple weeks ago. But it's perfect. There is nothing essential for people to know that's not found in the Bible. And it's complete. It's never outdated. Encyclopedias, you've got to keep updating them. Wikipedia gets updated all the time. But the Bible is complete. There's everything we need to know in there that's essential for living life. I mean, you know, I I couldn't find out how to fix my coffee maker in the Bible. But do I really need coffee? I don't have to have it. I had a little moment, and I thought I did there. But I really don't need it. But everything I really need to live life is in there. And it restores the soul. Another translation is it converts the soul. It, it turns the soul in the right direction. It turns you toward the right things. It steers you clear of the wrong path and steers you toward the right path. It changes us. It changes us, and it revives us. It gives us life. The testimony of the Lord is the next synonym. And that just means this is what God bears witness to. The credibility of the story of someone who's been charged for a crime many times is based on the credibility of the witness. God has said this is true. This is, this is the testimony of God himself. He vouches for its validity for its reality and it it's it's true it's it's sure it sets you on a a firm foundation it makes wise the simple the word simple in the hebrew is a word pithy p-i-t-h-y transliterated and it means roomy or open so a simple person is someone who's got room for every kind of idea that's out there. And what the Scripture does then is it it helps us to choose the wise conclusions as we're dealing with life. You need to draw conclusions about life. There's a sense today that we just need to stay open and leave room for all kinds of ideas and thoughts and principles and just soak them in, add them, add them to the things we already believe and just sort of collect. We collect ideas and we collect principles and things like that. But if I believe everything, then I don't really believe anything. And that's what this passage is saying. The precepts of the Lord or the... the Testimony of the Lord, it's sure. It makes wise the simple. It shows you how to draw the right conclusions about life so that you're not just accepting every idea that comes along. 
every thought. But you're, you're drawing a collision. You're saying, I believe this is true because I've seen it lived out. I've seen it turn out the way that God says it does. So that, that's something the Scripture does. The precepts of the Lord are something that's straight rather than crooked. They, they straighten you out. That's what we've been talking about. They're instructions for, for practical matters of living. And they rejoice the heart. You know, when you get something right, it feels really good. You know, I, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a lot more handy than I was before I owned our, well, I don't own it, before I started paying on the house that we live in. But as I've done different projects around the house, it's exciting when I figure it out and I learn a new skill. That's, that's just like a, a, a taste of what it's like to really understand God, to learn about him, what he says about life, to put it into practice when you've been going the other direction, but you begin to live it out in the way you treat people and the way you handle life, and you're, you get it right. There's a lot of joy in that. They rejoice the heart. They bring a deep joy to, your, to, your, to you on the inside, to your soul. Commandment, just what God's told us to do and what he hasn't done. They enlighten the eyes. They show us where we need to go and what we need to do. They show us things that we wouldn't see without it. They turn the lights on for us. They help us see. The fear of the Lord is clean. Uh, the Bible defines fear of the Lord, taking God seriously and staying in his boundaries. That's what it is to fear God. The Bible is the definition of that. If, if you fear the Lord, you take the Bible seriously. And it, 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 it's like taking a spiritual shower. It just it cleanses you. It cleans you up as you begin to get into it. The judgments of God are true and righteous. They give you a firm foundation on which to build your life. Not, not, not shaky ground, but stable ground. If, if you never draw conclusions, if you never come to conclusions about what you're going to live your life for or what you're going to really believe about life, then you're like a wave of the sea that's just thrown all over the place. You come into trials, you hit problems, and your mind and your insides are screaming all kinds of things. You're all over the place. You need something to anchor you in the middle of the tempest, in the middle of the storm that's going on. The scripture anchors you. If, you. if you decide, I am going to believe God, I'm going to build my life on what he says, it anchors you in the midst of your trials. Those are the effects that show how important it is to soak in the word of God. In Ephesians 4 and James 1 in the New Testament, it talks about those waves, a double-minded person, a, a, a person who hasn't concluded that God is real and I'm going to live by his word, you're thrown all over the place because you're leaving room for all kinds of possibilities in your heart and life. So you're hurting yourself if you aren't soaking in God's word and living it out. And then we find next there are real advantages in in the rest of Psalm 19, real advantages to knowing and doing God's word. Psalmist shifts to a conversation with God, and I think one of the reasons he did this He's talking about creation, then he's talking about the Bible, and then he shifts into a conversation with God because, frankly, he knows he needs God's help in order to live this out. 
And so we need to, as we're in the Word, we need to ask God for help to sort it out. God, help me to do what you want me to do. Help me to want to do what you want me to do. I'm all, I'm praying, I pray that a lot. God, help me even just to want to do this because I really want to do what I want to do. But help me to want to do what you want. And so he shifts into sort of a conversation with God about these scriptures, about the word. He says, moreover, by them, by the scriptures, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. There is a a tremendous amount of blessing that comes just by keeping, just by doing what the Bible says. There's warning in Scripture that steers you clear of trouble and helps you minimize the trials and the trouble that you experience as you just get into the Scripture. By just obeying God's Word, you skirt around all kinds of trouble. There are some examples that you won't find listed in your listening guide, but like here's, here's an example of how this happens. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Just a simple statement in Scripture that is extremely true. What happens when you hear a harsh word? And give it right back at them. But a gentle answer turns away wrath. That, if you want to minimize trouble, don't go toe-to-toe with the people around you. Give a gentle answer, a reason, a thoughtful answer. Another one, Proverbs thirty thirty two. If you have played the fool and exalted yourself, clap your hand over your mouth. Shut up. <laughs> you know, you ever been in a conversation where you, just out of the blue, you start talking about stuff and it, it, it you start, sh- you, you're, you're just trying to gift the other people with all of your knowledge. But you're doing it in a way, and you're looking at their faces, and they're going, oh, this guy is nuts, you know, what is up with him? And so you, you cut yourself, and you're, you're, in, you're in this paragraph that's proclaiming your virtues or your knowledge or whatever it is. If you catch yourself doing that, put your because you're going to minimize the amount of trouble that you experience from there on. Hebrews 6.11, more of the words, less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? I, I try to do that. Just say less. You get in a lot less trouble. Think before you speak. Don't just let it fly. It, God's word really helps you minimize trouble. Those are some ways that he does it. But as you get into it, you soak it in. He, God through the scriptures really helps you figure this life out. He really does give, you know, you're not going to have a handle on it. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to get, but in the midst of the storms, he, he gives you an anchor. He gives you something to hang on to, and he helps you begin to figure it out. Who can discern his errors? Verse 12 says, acquit me of my hidden faults. Here, here what he's saying is, I, I don't, there, I don't, I, how can I know all the stuff I'm doing that hurts me, that hurts the people around them, that is extremely counterproductive? I can't see myself. I need, I need help with this. So God, help me to see. The scripture does that, provides a mirror. We looked at James 1. We're going to look at it again. But it's a mirror where we can see what's going on. 
There are things about us and the way that we go about life and the way we relate that, that others see. God sees. God sees everything. Others see it, but we don't see it. The Bible shows us these things. I like this. It's not on the screen, but Psalm 19, 11, 12 in the message says, there's more. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Otherwise, how will we find our way or know when we play the fool? The Bible tells us, if you played the fool and exalted yourself, the Bible tells us all kinds of ways that we play the fool. And we need to, as we're getting into the scripture, ask God to show us what's going on. Ask him to speak to us. Also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. What he's saying here is, keep me from the sins, the things that I can't see. Show me what I'm doing so I can straighten it out. And then the things that I just plow in and do anyway that I know I shouldn't, keep me from those as well. Help me with this, God. I have a heart that doesn't want to do what you say. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless. And I shall be acquitted of great transgression. God, free me up from the sinful habits that enslave me. That's, that's what he's asking for here. Here's how God untangles our trials through the word. Uh, we looked at this illustration a little bit ago, but uh, teaching. This is from 2 Timothy 3.16. Teaching shows us the path to walk on. Uh, and what happens is when, when you begin to investigate Christianity or follow God, you, you hear the Bible taught, you read it, you study it, you go to you know, maybe a midweek group or a Bible study where uh, you're learning the Bible and you're getting, you're getting all of these principles. You're just starting to pile them up. They're piling up in your mind and they're, they're piling up. And what God does is he uses trials to put his finger on one of those principles. And that one, he wants you to focus on. So you're you're getting taught, you're getting all these principles, and he puts his finger on a principle through a trial that highlights it. It's like a big highlighter on the Scripture. You know, he takes the big yellow highlighter, and he highlights a principle. He does this through pressure, Scripture calls it suffering, that's pressure, testing, trouble. He he does it in, in all kinds of ways, but wherever the pressure in your life is right now, God is highlighting that, and he wants you to turn to him and either reprove you, which is what this illustration says of the passage says, and and or correct you, show you the right way. He wants you to begin to, as, as you realize the pressure, what, what happens with you and I is wherever the pressure is, that's where we're motivated to learn how to get to deal with the pressure in your marriage, in your friendships, with your roommates, in your work life, whatever, in your career, there's pressure. There's a project you're working on, and it's not going well with the team or whatever it is. You get motivated to learn. And it's at that point God's highlighted that part of your life 
And he wants you to begin to go to the Word to get the training in righteousness that you need to live it out. That's, that's the way God's Word untangles our trials. The pressure of our problems drive us to search out the guidance God has for us in his word. You can go to a ton of sources. There are a lot of TV shows with um, people who will help you work through your problems. You can go, you can go to self-help books. You can go to a lot of sources. But in the scripture, you have the ability to find out what, what God, the one who made us, says about unwinding your troubles in marriage, parenting, friendships, work, finances, decisions. It's, it's all there. So how do we experience these benefits of God's Word? I just want to walk through these, these three ways. First of all, make a habit of doing God's Word. So there are things. God highlights something. He, he puts his finger on something, and you want to get into the Scripture to learn about that, but you want to have a habit of getting into the Bible every day and just reading a little portion of it asking God to speak to you through it. Because as you read it and begin to do it, you're not going to become perfect. You're not going to do it perfectly. But step by step, God is going to be helping you untangle things. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you'll know the truth, and the truth, will make you free. This is how you get untangled. This is how you get free from the things that are enslaving you. You continue in the Word. You don't just use the Word like a Band-Aid. Oh, I'm, I'm sad. This verse will help me get glad. No, you soak it in, and you begin to do it. You continue in it. That word continue means to remain, to, to remain, stay by it. You, stay, you keep it near you. You actually allow it to live in you. You soak it in, and you remain in the Word. You don't disconnect and pull away from it, but you remain in it, you continue in it, and then you get free. Then you begin to experience the freedom. James 1 says it this way, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. When you make a habit of doing God's word, you get untangled over time. Secondly, adopt the Bible's perspective on life and trials. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. We have all kinds of trials. Shouldn't be surprised by that. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Trials are a part of life. They have been uh, since the first man and woman decided to rebel against God and we fell. Man and all of creation fell. It's not what God originally made it to be. God's still in control. He's still running the universe. But we allowed... Uh, some things to enter the world, and I don't have time to get into it, that create all the, pro- the, the problems that we deal with over and over again. With God, there's a purpose in our trials. That's the perspective you see in Scripture. You're going to have trials one way or the other, with Him or with a, without Him. 
with God, there's a purpose and there's value. Without him, there's not. They're just a waste. And so this is the perspective that we need to adopt. James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in, in nothing. There was a time when I was going through a tough, tough day or having some problems that I was working through that I used to think, all right, God, I've got to deal with this. I'll get back to you know walking with you after these problems blow over. But right now, I've just got to, I got to focus on this. I've learned God's in the in. He's wants to work in the middle of the stuff I'm dealing with. He doesn't want me to put him on hold and set him aside and get back to it later. What I was doing is I was handling it under my own strength, my own way, and I was just dealing with it that way. And I wasn't letting God begin to change me through my troubles and my problems and my trials. But what he wants to do is he wants to change us. And he says that we're to choose a certain attitude toward our trials. We're to count it all joy. Not pout, not throw a tantrum, but we're to count it joy. Not that we... Get excited about problems. That would be completely weird. But we know what God does through them. Romans 5, 3 through 5 gives the same process. Starts starts with suffering, and, it, and God takes you through a process where on the other side of it, you're a different person. He's built some things into you that he couldn't have built in any other way. There's some things you learn about God. And some things he builds into you that you can't get any other way. If I set my heart to let God work in me through the trouble, it's not wasted. God doesn't waste trouble if you work with him through it. That's that's the beauty of knowing him. Third, use God's word to overcome temptation and minimize the trouble. Talked a little bit about this, but Psalm 119 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it. According to thy word, with my whole heart I seek thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. He's praying again. The psalmist is David again. God, help me with this. I have laid up thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Memorize God's word that applies to what you're dealing with, the temptation, which temptation is to go our own way, to rebel against God, to sin. That always, whenever we cave to temptation, it always magnifies and multiplies our trouble. So use God's word. Learn to use it as a weapon against the temptation and apply it. Jesus did that in Matthew 4. You can read it. I I put the passage down there. You can read it on your own. But I like this. It's a mouthful, and so I don't have it on the screen, but you have to listen to this quote. Harold Salas, the, the book, why you can have confidence in the Bible I was telling you about a couple weeks ago. He says this, he says, The Bible is the only book in the world that shows us how to escape the gravitational pull of our old natures, which drags us into a quagmire of human failure. That's that's what happens. Our old nature, our old way of doing things, relying on ourselves the way we've always done it. When I was unplugging from God to deal with my problems and then get back to him, Wow, how stupid could I have been? I find out in the scripture that's foolish. 
because he wants to walk me through it and help me deal with the gravitational pull of my old nature that drags me into this quagmire of human failure. And so the psalmist David wraps up Psalm 19 with these words. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I prayed that prayer so many times. God, please help my words, help my thoughts to be pleasing in your sight. Because you know, one reason your medita- the meditation of your heart needs to be pleasing is because what you're thinking about and dwelling on shows up. That, that's, it comes out. So we need to ask God for help in this. We're going to be receiving our offering in a few moments. Uh, really glad you're here this morning. Here are some next steps that you could take if uh, God lays it on your heart, or you may have some ideas for ways to apply this message this morning yourself. But it's important to do the word. It's important to follow it, to respond to God and get it in your life, continue and try to live it out as you go along, not just listen to it and check out and move away. First of all, memorize a specific verse to guard against the temptation you face over and over again. Maybe there's a temptation you need to, to memorize a short verse. I like that the, the Bible says that God's word is a sword, so I like to memorize short verses and st- when I get thoughts or temptations, you know, stab them with the word and ask God for help to, to go the other direction. Second, pray Psalm 19:14 every day this week. This is a key. We looked at last week. This is the key to planting a good future, pleasing God. Remember the spies? If the Lord is pleased with us, we're going to take this land. We're going to do it. God gives help to those who please him. Third, ask God right now to help me adopt his perspective on trials. Boy, I don't have it now. <laughs> but I need, to, I need to understand what he's doing, what he wants to do. And then the final step for the first time, I'm deciding to follow Christ as my Lord. It's another step. If you're investigating what it means to follow him, you have your questions answered, you're ready to do that, you could let us know uh, by checking that box. I'd also, before, we, before I pray, I'd like to just let you know, on November 7th, we're going to begin a monthly prayer meeting. We're going to call it Prayer on Mission, and we're going to meet during the first service in a room here. We'll let you know the details next week, but this, this has been something on my heart, but every month we're going to pray about um, and pray for the people who've gone out from our congregation who are in different parts of the world and different parts of this country. And um, so we have some people in Central Asia and people in Africa and different places in the world, and we want to begin to pray for them. And then we have Josh, who went out to Riverside, and a couple other guys that went to different parts of the state. So we want to begin to pray. I think that's going to be a very good thing. If you'd like to get in on that, then let, let us know. It would help with our planning. If on the back of your connection card you could write prayer on mission, just let us know. It'll help us know that we got people interested in doing that. That's a very important thing, to pray for the people who have gone out from us and to set our eyes outside of our little group because God always wants us to be concerned with what's going on in the world, not just our little group. So we're going to do that on November 7th for the first time, and then it'll keep going first Sunday of every month. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, you've given us your word that it uh, challenges us and shows us 
where we need to change, and yet strengthens us and encourages us and builds us up. It, the Bible does that, God, because it's your word. You, you, this is what you do in us and through us and through the trials and the struggles. You, you want to work to bring glory to yourself so that we experience the blessing of walking with you and doing life your way. Help us to want that, God. Help us to want to follow you. Help us to do it. Our hearts really are prone uh, to go another direction, to go away from you. But draw us to you. Let my, let my uh, heart seek you and follow your commandments, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask for your help. Amen.